It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, January 5th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka School Board honored the service of teacher Carrie Sagel at the start of its regular meeting on Wednesday night. Normally, a retirement ceremony happens at the end of the school year and celebrates a handful of staff members leaving the district. But Sagel retired just this past November and had the event to herself. Sagel put in over 25 years working in Sitka's schools, most memorably as the librarian at Blatchley Middle School. In her remarks, Sagel urged the board to continue looking for ways to support teachers and to promote professional longevity. I'd like to thank the Sitka School District and the school board and the community of Sitka. Uh, it's a pleasure to have worked in a school district that does good work for its kids, that has a strong union, that has a good negotiated agreement. I'm fortunate that I'm retiring as tier two with 25 years, and I appreciate the work you do to ensure future school funding, and I hope you also have your eyes on ensuring defined benefits for the people coming behind because it's getting harder and harder to live in Sitka, and we need those dedicated teachers to stay for 20 years, 20 plus years, and I appreciate the work you do towards that. Thank you. In 2006, Alaska dropped its defined benefit retirement program for teachers in favor of a 401k style savings plan. A December report from the Alaska Department of Labor suggests that the change has hurt teacher recruitment and retention across the state. That was the extent of the politics Wednesday evening. Everything else was gratitude for Sagel's work in the classroom and beyond. Lakota Hardin stopped in to share an anecdote about a time she needed to create a special Christmas for 18 Mount Edgecombe High School students unable to return home for the holidays during the COVID pandemic. And I just thought of people, and you were the one of the ones I thought of. And I just put the word out, and we put together 18 gift bags. We had fish, we had seaweed, we had cake, we had you know, all kinds of things. We got enough money for gift cards. And the, the kids did say that it was like one of the best Christmases they had because of the community. Hardin also described Sagel's efforts to build bridges within the community, often in ways that don't necessarily involve her work in the schools. You're not afraid to be bold. And I think that's what it takes for a leader. And um, because of your leadership, a lot of things get done in all the different corners of what gets passed over sometimes, especially people where I come from, you know. <clears throat> and I'm always trying to be that voice and be that representative, and half the time I have to um, push for that. And all I have to do is say something to you, and you take the idea and you run with it. After the event, Sagel told KCAW that she is holding off on making plans to strike off in a new direction in retirement and will continue with several endeavors that she's already involved with. Basically, she said, I will be a woman about town. Saners in Sitka will be allowed to catch more fish than ever before in the 2024 commercial sacro herring fishery this coming spring, over 80,000 tons. But they likely won't come close to meeting that record-breaking harvest. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game is forecasting a record 406,000 tons of mature herring biomass in Sitka Sound this year. Aaron Dupuis is the area management biologist for ADF&G. He says the large population estimate is mainly due to two very large age classes, eight-year-old herring and four-year-old herring. So it's kind of an unprecedented, like two unprecedented age classes that are occurring right on top of each other. And that's something we haven't seen before. 
A big population estimate means a big guideline harvest level, or GHL. This year, the state has set the GHL at 80,000 tons, the largest in history. You know, the reason why the GHL is very large is because the forecast biomass is very large. The formula that the department applies hasn't changed. It's still a 20% harvest rate based on a formula. So when the GHL goes up, that means that the forecast of biomass is going up too. And that's a good thing. Last year, the state's guideline harvest levels was set at 30,000 tons, but Saners only caught around a third of what was allowed. The second highest ever GHL was set in 2022 at 45,000 tons. That year, Saners caught a little over half of what the state allowed, but it was still the highest ever herring harvest at 25,000 tons. Dupuis says this year they'll likely only scratch the surface of the state's GHL. It, it's not physically possible to harvest 80,000 tons in the amount of time. I mean, if we started right now and fished every single day, maybe. But, you know, we only have a short window for the harvest to take place. And I mean, just the way that everything's configured, it, it's going to be a fraction of the GHL that gets harvested this year. Dupuis says for the last couple of years, processing capacity, rather than the size or marketability of the fish, has been what's constrained the fishery, and large GHLs tend to drive down the price and make the fishery less competitive. Dupuis says he's spoken with processors, and while a few are still on the fence, most plan to participate this year. But it's still too soon to say how many permit holders will fish. For the last two years, they've been fishing using what Dupuis calls a competitive light strategy, where several boats partner up to catch for one processor, then they each take a cut of the profits. Juno's longtime downtown shelter moved to a new location in 2021. Now it's converting the old property into affordable apartments. As KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, they're also looking for a commercial tenant to rent the bottom floor. The Glory Hall's downtown building used to house the emergency shelter before it moved to the Mendenhall Valley. Now it's getting converted into affordable apartments. Tom LeBlanc with Carver Construction is overseeing the project. Uh, right now we're uh, on the third floor and it's uh, all the framings are down up here. And now the uh, subs will be coming in, the electricians, the uh, uh, plumbers. And, and so uh, we've still got a little ways to go, but so far so good. Once finished, the building will have seven affordable housing units and a 2,000 square foot commercial space. Down on the second floor, there's uh, two apartments. There's uh, five apartments up here, and then on the bottom floor is uh, going to be a store. The Glory Hall is now looking for a tenant for that downstairs space. It will have a full commercial kitchen, but Glory Hall Executive Director Maria Lovishuk says she's open to all kinds of businesses. We're really hoping to, to have somebody in there before the you know, tourist season really, really picks up. She says potential business owners should be interested in supporting the Glory Hall's mission to provide housing. The commercial lease will subsidize rent for the upstairs tenants. While the Glory Hall's Forget-Me-Not Manor in Lemon Creek provides addiction treatment and behavioral health services on site, the downtown units are meant for tenants who don't need that kind of support. So these apartments are going to be for um, people who are below median area income um, and people will have to be able to live independently and, and successfully in these units without on-site um, staff. Lovishuk says the goal is to have tenants in by June. Rent will be below Juno's fair market rent and they'll accept housing vouchers. There's just so many people in Juno who are looking for housing, therefore the FAUT vouchers 
and just cannot find um, the actual units. So we are really hoping to, to help solve um, even a small portion of this. Applications for tenants should be available by April. Lovashek says people interested in the commercial space can contact her by email. A committee of board members will review proposals and negotiate a lease. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. The Alaska Department of Transportation is seeking bids for rockfall prevention work along the Zamovia Highway in Wrangell, not far from the site of a catastrophic landslide in November. As reported in the Alaska Beacon, the solicitations are for companies that would work this coming summer to stabilize slopes and perform other mitigation work at two known rockslide areas. An engineer's estimate puts the expected cost for the work at between $250,000 and $500,000, according to state documents. Work is expected to be completed by next October. The rockfall mitigation work is not the result of November's deadly landslide. That rain-triggered event sent a debris flow of trees and mud down the slope and across the highway, killing an entire family of two parents and three children in their home, along with one of their neighbors. Rather, this latest work is a part of an ongoing project to address a chronic problem along the highway. Dozens of rock slides occurred in a short stretch of the road between 2007 and 2019. Rockfalls are among the varied landslide hazards in Alaska that have threatened personal safety and infrastructure in mountainous regions. A separate rockfall problem has plagued the southeast Alaska town of Skagway, a major cruise destination at the northern tip of the Inside Passage. Large rocks and boulders tumbling down a mountainside in 2022 damaged a docked cruise ship. Taking a look at the community calendar. The deadline to submit sketches of proposed artwork for Sea Alaska Heritage Institute's Celebration contest is on Friday, January 12th. The Biennial Dance and Culture Festival celebrates Klingat, Haida, and Simshian cultures, and the theme is Together We Live in Balance. The winning artist receives $1,000, and the design will appear on materials associated with the event, which will be held June 5th through 8th. For more information and an application, follow links on the community calendar posting. The Sitka Wastewater Division reminds Sitkins to not flush wipes down the toilet. This includes cleaning wipes, baby wipes, blue shop towels, paper towels, including those marked as flushable. None of these products break down in water and can cause costly backups and damage to sewer infrastructure. Those with any questions can call 907-747-1804. Sitka Tribe of Alaska, Sitkins Against Family Violence, the Sitka Police Department, and the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium now offer client-centered, trauma-informed services for those who have experienced sexual assault. A sexual assault nurse examiner and safe advocate are available to meet anytime, 24-7, with any Sitkin in a private and confidential location to provide help at any time. For help, you can call 907-209-8408. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.